another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Pimlico, Plumbers and Smith, and the citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 29. And this is perhaps one of the most high-profile cases of the year, and deals with a hot political issue that affects thousands of people across the UK, the gig economy. For those of you who don't know, the gig economy essentially means that full-time jobs are replaced with short-term contracts and temporary positions. Those who support this argue that it allows for a greater amount of flexibility, while others such as Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party are opposed because this is a way to deny workers their rights. There have been a number of cases in recent years where the point at stake was whether the person is a worker or not, and these involved some of the typical companies involved in the gig economy, such as Uber. Returning to the present case, the company involved is actually Pimlico Plumbers, and those of you who live or have been to London may well have seen their vans around the streets, or even their headquarters in Lambeth. The other party was Gary Smith, who worked for the company for more than five years between 2005 and 2011. During that time, Pimlico Plumbers and Smith operated under two written agreements. The first lasted until 2009, and then was replaced by the second. After Smith had a heart attack in January 2011, he sought to have his work reduced to three days a week, but the company rejected this and took away his van. On that basis, he made a claim against Pimlico Plumbers that covered a number of grounds, including unfair dismissal, unlawful deduction from wages, not being paid for a period of statutory annual leave, and discrimination arising from his disability. As has been mentioned, though, the question was ultimately about his employment status. The tribunal found that while Smith was not an employee and therefore could not advance his unfair dismissal claim, he did fit into the broader definition of worker and so his other claims could proceed. Pimlico Plumbers did not agree with this designation and therefore appealed the decision that Smith was a worker right up to the Supreme Court where we picked the case up. The justices began with the definition of a worker and pulled this from section 230 subsection 3b of the Employment Rights Act 1996, both in spite of and because there are very similar definitions found in the Working Time Regulations and the Equality Act relating to Smith's other claims. This allowed the court to consider all of the three remaining claims by Smith together therefore. Anyway, that definition of a worker combines two elements that we will go through in turn. Firstly, there has to be a provision of personal service. In theory, the service was not personal because Smith did have something of an informal right to substitute in another Pimlico plumber if he did not want to do a particular piece of work himself. However, that is only one element of the agreement and the Supreme Court wanted to make sure that they looked at the contract as a whole and decide whether it was generally speaking for personal services. A key factor in this regard was that the written agreements consistently refer to Smith directly, and indeed speak to things such as, quote, your skills, unquote. Furthermore, the fact that the right to substitution was limited to those plumbers who had an existing relationship with Pimlico meant that overall the contract was one of personal performance. The second part of the definition of a worker is to ask whether Pimlico plumbers were a client or customer of Mr Smith. This might seem an odd question, or even a little backwards, but think about it this way. If Smith wasn't a worker, 
then that would make him self-employed. So anyone that he did work for would be a client or customer rather than an employer. An important starting point for answering this question was the finding by the tribunal that the contract between Pimlico and Smith was something called an umbrella contract. This means that even when Smith was not on a job, there were still contractual requirements imposed upon him. Already, this suggested that the relationship was much deeper than one that a company might have with a self-employed contractor. Nevertheless, Smith did have a great amount of independence and could not only reject work but also accept other outside work if there was none forthcoming from Pimlico. Furthermore, the work itself was not actually supervised by Pimlico, thereby offering much greater professional independence and this was emphasised by some of the financial risks that Smith also took on as part of the agreement. On the other hand, Pimlico did exercise a great deal of control over how Smith operated, even to the extent that they told him what to wear. Beyond that, there were clear restrictions on how and when Smith was paid, and a number of restrictive covenants that would not be typical outside of an employment contract. This meant that in the end, the tribunal was well within its rights to conclude that Pimlico plumbers were not a client of Gary Smith's. Now, with both elements satisfied, it was held that Smith did fall within the definition of a worker, and therefore his claims relating to things like annual leave and discrimination that depended on satisfying that definition could proceed. When it comes to analysing this case, the best way to start thinking about the definitions that we have heard is as a hierarchy. At the bottom, we have those who are self-employed and have very few rights in relation to the jobs they do and the customers they serve. Moving up a step, we have workers, which is where Mr Smith eventually fitted in after this decision from the Supreme Court. These individuals have some of the basic rights and protections associated with employment law, but are still some distance from employees who are top of the hierarchy and will have almost comprehensive protection, depending on things like their time of service. When we think about it this way, we can begin to understand the approach taken by each side in these types of cases. Companies want to push individuals down the hierarchy as far as possible in order to diminish the rights that they have, while individuals seek to elevate themselves up the hierarchy as far as possible so that they can claim the greatest degree of protection in any dispute. All of this leads to extensive contract interpretation by the courts in an attempt to try and divine the status of the claimant. This, however, all feels very artificial and increasingly dependent on the social mores of the time. In other words, as criticism from the media and senior politicians of companies like Uber and Delivery grows, contracts will begin to be interpreted so as to give workers more rights. In the meantime, these companies, and in particular their legal departments, are not going to stand still, and instead a game of cat and mouse develops as they constantly change the wording of their written agreements in a bid to avoid liability. This is backwards and represents a waste of time and resources as cases go back and forth. A much more simple approach would be to base contracts and written agreements around the rights that are potentially available to individuals. In other words, if Pimlico plumbers wanted to exclude the right to pay derived from statutory annual leave, for example, then they would have to explicitly say so in standard language. All of a sudden, vague questions of interpretation are reduced to a basic checklist that anyone could go through. The argument against this is the inequality of bargaining power between the parties. It is true that Pimlico need people like Gary Smith in order to operate, 
but Smith needs the job to be able to live and generally pay his bills. This means that he is likely to give up on some of his rights in order to get the money that he needs. As an economic argument that has some logic, but fails to see the company within the context of society. The amount of bad press and subsequent boycotts of Pimlico plumbers, if they had to explicitly say that they reserve the right to discriminate against their operatives, would be overwhelming and surely force a change of position. In the end, this would restore the primacy of the contract and introduce much-needed certainty and clarity to these agreements. Furthermore, the ability to directly compare companies based on how they treat the people who work for them, would add a new level of corporate social responsibility and ultimately further the rights for those in the gig economy. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast. Thanks as ever to bensound.com and also special thanks this week go to Fate Metas who took the time to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It's very much appreciated. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast or my YouTube channel, then you can go to uklawweekly.com where you can also subscribe to the mailing list and pick up a free ebook at the same time. I'll be back next week with another episode, but for now, bye!